Hello, and welcome to Small Business Happy Hour, a podcast where we interview a different entrepreneur or small business owner every week to hear their story. We chat about their business, passions, struggles, and all things small business. Oh, and we drink with our guests during the interview, hence the happy hour. I'm your host, Derek, founder of Yoga for All Humans, a fully online yoga studio. And I'm your host, Holly, creator of the blog, The Bitter Lemon, and author of many books. We are so happy you're here. Hi, Holly. Hello. How's it going? Going good. We're almost at the end of the week. I hate being that person that looks forward to Friday, but like here I am being that person. You're back on the nine to five, Monday through Friday. (laughs) You know, the funny thing is like, even when I was freelancing full time, like years ago, or when I was working retail and like the weekends, like didn't even matter. It's like, there's just some different energy about the weekend, you know? Mm-hmm. I'm looking forward to the weekend. Yeah, me too. It's not my long weekend, but I'll still enjoy it. I mean, Fridays at my job are always pretty quiet anyway. So it's always kind of a really chill day, okay. you know, the mm-hmm. Friday after work because half the company's off. So, yeah. But definitely having a more chill weekend this weekend than last weekend, mm-hmm. where <laughs> Holly and I were very prideful last weekend it was so for people listening that don't know austin has their official pride in august rather than june like they celebrate it in june but have like official pride in august um and i think it's really just because larger cities don't want to compete with each other you know so they like choose you know um I was, I forget who I was talking to earlier today, but I was like, the gays in power decided this city is this month, this city is this, you know, and we went to, um, I made a really good friend at like a volunteer event here in Austin and he hosts like a annual boat party on Lake Travis. So we did that last Friday and had a grand old time. I mean, it was like, and it was long, right? It was like four hours. Um, yeah, it was, which um, we were we were definitely thinking it was going to be shorter. But I think last year it was just like earlier. Maybe. Because um, we got back last year. We got back like before the sun went down this year. Right. We were out there like during the sunset. But um, sure. I'm never going to pass up a chance to be on a boat period and then to see the sunset was really nice and this year it was it was actually like pretty chill i felt like yeah and maybe that has to do with like just being a little later in the evening because it was like from five to nine it was super chill i really enjoyed it because like yeah yeah, we got in the water played around but then we got out and just sort of like lounging on the deck and just like people watching meeting new people Mm -hmm. just like good vibes it was was a good time Mm -hmm. Yeah, I will say the one thing that I think is so cool about pride in general is like, no matter what your sexuality is, like, to me, like, it's so exciting to be a part of a movement like pride is a protest, first and foremost. But second of all, I feel like when you go to pride, like, you know, you're just among good company, like whatever that may be for you. If it's people that are aligned with you politically in the bedroom, whatever, like, I feel like you just know you're like in good company, you're with allies, you're with 
people that are on the right side of history. So that's always what I personally enjoy. And I felt like we went to, we, we got to walk in the pride parade on Saturday and I just felt like there was so much joy, like from people in the audience, like all the kids that were there. Like, I just felt like it was so joyful. It was really nice. It really was very joyful. That was fun to walk in the pride parade. I've never walked in a parade before. And yeah, just like looking at people's faces, they were all, and there were so many people out, like, it was at night. So like, Austin's been hot as hell. And (laughs) thankfully the parade was at night. We were still hot, but we still like, at least didn't have the sun beating down on us. But there were so many people and just really excited. You know, they were just like really engaged. And like, we weren't like a very exciting float. You know, we didn't have music or anything. (laughs) Thankfully we had, oh my God, I forget his name but there was a guy on the float that would be like on the count of three make some noise and it was like so the the organization that we walked with is called rainbow connections atx which is a organization our partner with with the yoga studio so it's an lgbt organization that is for all ages but takes special attention to the elderly lgbtq plus people in Austin. So the people on the float were older people, including this guy. And we were, they're called legends. And then we were, I guess, just the supporters, you know, walking beside the float. But it was just magical. It was was so much fun. Yeah. We made it through it and walked over the bridge and then went and had a drink afterwards. And Yeah, I feel like before the parade started, I told you, like, he was telling someone... Um, that this is his favorite time of year. He looks right. forward to it every year. And I mean, I think we all have a soft spot in our hearts for our elders. Mm-hmm. And like, to hear that that is his favorite time of year is so sweet. And so the fact that he was able to like get excited and like people were reacting to him. And then Babs, when that person was like yelling for Babs, like people were oh, right. recognizing people. <laughs> it was like, oh, that's so sweet. Like, <laughs> You know, because especially since they're with that organization, like you just never know like what kind of connection they have had like prior life. Um, So it's really neat that they are able to have that experience and like feel supported because they have lived through generations where yeah. like it's yeah. not acceptable, you know? And I, I mean, I feel like even currently, like sometimes it's, it seems Sometimes it, right now, I feel like it seems like a really trying time, like not necessarily in Austin, but, you know, in uh, politics and in the Supreme Court, it's sort of yeah. like seems unwelcome. So it was really nice to be reminded that there are like there are supporters out there and like they're not, you know, LGBTQ community is not alone. Yeah, I saw a lot of a lot of signs about like trans lives matter and stuff yes um so i was glad to see that there was that reminder that you know while yes. joyful, we saw you lots know, of drag queens yeah we had a, a drag queen walking with us and yeah. she had her titties out <laughs> they weren't real but it was right. just so funny i was like oh hey. <laughs> yeah we saw several drag queens which i love seeing that i love seeing their makeup looks yeah um so that was, it was a lot of fun but yeah i'm with you i 
I am an introvert, so I'm definitely looking forward to retreating this weekend. <laughs> retreating into my shell. Yeah, I'm an ambivert. I consider myself an ambivert, so I can like alternate between the two. But it takes a lot of energy, you know, to to be extroverted. Like I was just all going crazy at the parade, you know, with my glow sticks and hollering. <laughs> People worked up, and but that took a lot out of me. So yeah, yeah. I feel you. Yeah. So our guest this week is, I mean, pretty perfect for the theme of our podcast since we're obviously a happy hour podcast. Was this our first guest that makes alcohol? It was, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, It's this week we're talking to Nicole from Sip and Share Wines. Uh, I actually discovered Sip and Share Wines when I went to Indiana in June and attended the Uncorked uh, Wine Festival. And it was actually one of the last wineries that I stopped at. It was like, if you've never been to like a wine or a beer fest, um, there's always just like each brewery or winery or distillery. Um, There were some distilleries at this one has they're like under like a part of a tent they have their own little table and they have it set up to where you can come up they're usually offering specific things to taste like usually it may not be their full menu maybe they're just featuring a few things you get a little taste usually when you go in you get a cup like in this case we got a little wine glass they give you like a small taste you can read about the wines you can talk to the winemakers and usually you can purchase the wine and so i went with my best friend and my mom who we all drink wines we were so excited we were trying to get to every winery and I actually was pleasantly surprised that there were um, many diverse winemakers and distilleries there. And I was like, okay, we got to hit up. We were trying to hit up all of them, but I'm like, we got to hit up like the black owned ones. And Sip and Share was one of the last ones that we got to. And as I discussed with Nicole, they have a Chardonnay that's finished in steel as opposed to oak, um, I personally am not a huge fan of of wines that are aged in oak, especially white wines. Mm-hmm. And so when I heard that, I was like, okay, let me taste that one. And then I went and bought a bottle and it's so delicious. And I, I told my friend there, I was like, this will be good for the podcast because I really didn't think about the fact that black winemakers could be underrepresented in the industry, but I just love what I loved was like all the wines they had were named like manifest intention. Like they were all like these inspirational words. And I really liked that. And they're vegan. So I thought that is kind of rare to come across. So we reached out to Nicole and I'm so excited that she agreed to come on because not only do Derek and I both love wine, but I feel like it's just something that everyone can like, Everyone has tasted wine, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and it, we've talked about it on this podcast before about how, you know, I I started tried to stick with vegan wines because of my dairy allergy, and it was really fascinating to hear Nicole talk about why a lot of wines aren't vegan. So I'll save that snippet for the episode itself. But it was really good to just hear her be real about wine because i think for a lot of people wine can be intimidating you know if like 
you know, because it, it, I think it comes off as like this fancy thing, right? And it doesn't have to be. Like we talked about in the podcast where like in other cultures, like in Italy and France, like it's just part of their daily life, right? And even with kids, like Nicole grew up overseas and was drinking wine at like 10 years old, you know, like yeah. it's just part of life. So I think here, like a lot of people don't, get as exposed to it and she kind of makes it feel more welcome you know like i remember i mean my mom she always drank like chardonnay like the oaky buttery chardonnay and i was like i don't like this but whenever i was like 21 freshly single which was rare for me you know i was always in relationships and the, there was this big wine store in baton rouge i don't remember what it was called but they had like this liquidation cell, you know, just like cleaning out inventory. And they had like literally good bottles of wine that were probably like normally like 15 bucks. It was like buy four for $3 each or something, something crazy. And so I went in there and I bought like 40 bottles and just like had all this wine in my house and just spent time like just trying. I bought like whites and reds, all different varietals and just took time figuring out what I liked, you know? And I was thankful that I had that opportunity because, you know, not everyone does. So like a wine tasting event is a really good chance where you can just go and like figure out what you like and take your time, you know, because mm-hmm. like it that that's all there is to it is just figuring out what triggers your taste buds because my favorite wine isn't going to be yours. Right. You know? Yeah. Yeah. My... So I actually, this is so crazy when I think about it, because I started bartending. I worked at Dubix. That was my first bartending job. And even when I got the job there, I really was not that familiar with, um, I drank mixed drinks, but the stuff I drank, I'm not even going to say because it's so embarrassing now. (laughs) Um, I did not know how to make a margarita. I, I did not know one. I did not know the difference between a Pinot Noir and a Pinot Grigio. Like I didn't know anything about wine, whatever. Even when I worked there and people would order stuff, I would be like, I'd ask other bartenders, like, what is that? Like, I didn't know anything. I even worked at Sullivan's where they had a sommelier and people would order stuff. I have no idea. Like I was just, I was not a wine drinker, but once I started uh, in my nine to five job, my friend, my childhood friend, uh, her husband was in the Navy and he was stationed out of San Diego. And so she and when he was gone and she, you know, invited me to come out and visit her and she made a wine tour day for us in the Temecula wine country. And that was honestly my first, which like talk about a bougie first experience of like tasting wine, learning about wine. And while I probably didn't get like the full experience because I was just learning things for the first time, that was the first time I ever heard about aging things that were not in oak. And here's what it tastes like in steel. Here's what it tastes like in cement. And then when I got back, uh, after I had that trip, I was like, wow, I want to learn more. And actually LSU had an informal course that was for wine. Really? sign up and take a course like you didn't have to be a student it was like for adults or anyone and this distributor from glazer he taught a wine course in the basement of chimes once a week and so you would sign up 
by region. So like the first time we took it, it was like West Coast wines. Then you could take Italian wines, Spanish wines. So I signed up like for the first semester and you would go every week. You could bring your own food, like you could bring a plate of cheese if you wanted, chocolate, whatever. I signed up not knowing anybody. And actually, like, there were a few people in there that I knew once I got in there and they invited me, like, sit with us, sit with us. And you become friends with people. It was like an eight-week class. So, like, every Wednesday night, we go to Chimes. He would show us probably, like six to eight wines a night we would taste them and he would print out this packet where it was literally just the description but he would talk about the region he would talk about the soil and then since he was a distributor we could buy them from him at cost Mm -hmm. so he could like if you liked it so i would i didn't have a huge budget at the time but i would let myself get maybe one or two bottles if i liked something and i took all the classes some of them i retook because it was like it was just fun you know yeah But I learned so much about wine. And I remember he was so unassuming. Like he was like, what you're going to learn in this class is that you can have a fantastic bottle of wine for under $15. Like you do not need to spend $100, whatever. And I felt like one of the most valuable things he taught us was like, he gave us this like flavor wheel that had all these different words on it, buttery, oaky peppery whatever and he was like every time you taste wine think of your own words to describe it don't he was like even if the description says it's oaky or buttery or he was like even if it's not a flavor if you taste wine in it and you think it tastes like glue it tastes like glue like come up with your own flavor profile so that you know what you like like what you were saying and that to me had changed how I view wine, how I order wine in a restaurant. Like, I feel like I can like walk into a grocery store, a, a five-star restaurant. I know how to order wine because I've tasted so many. I've, I know what I like. Um, I know what regions I like. And it just like that for me, like it changed it immensely. Yeah. Well, I mean, what a perfect episode for the theme of our podcast and dear lord nicole is amazing like we 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 had trouble getting off of the call with nicole because we just wanted to keep talking and maybe maybe we'll hang out we're talking about going she she might become an austin we might become new orleans Orleans. (laughs) we'll see what happens (laughs) it was so much fun but I love that she also is like so approachable about wine. She wants it to yeah. be a community and yeah. you can buy her wines online. So if you want to support her, if you are, of you know, if you want to check out the description, she has a ton. She has a ton of different uh, flavor profiles. Then you can have them shipped right to your door. That's right. Yeah. So I'm going to be going shopping a little bit later, probably. Um because I mean, vegan wines that are made by a black female-owned business sign me up. You know, yeah. and it's made with good intentions of building communities that are underrepresented. Underrepresented, you know. It's like yeah. I'm all here for it. So yeah, for sure. Yeah, will y'all enjoy? Okay, how are you both doing today? Doing Fantastic. good. How are you? I am siptastic. Fantastic. <laughs> yeah, fantastic. Yes. Yes. I was loving that. Yoga for all humans. I absolutely, 
absolutely believe in that. So yeah, that's my baby. Yes. I was just telling people today, I was, ta- I was actually meeting with my lawyer before and I was like, oh, cool. are you not doing yoga? She was like, you do yoga? I was like, yes. <laughs> Call me so we can do yoga together. And I was like, okay, we now are, are we 930 meeting in the morning to do yoga? <laughs> So I'm now her accountability partner. We're going to meet and we're going to walk and do yoga. That's wow. awesome. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yoga has saved me, changed my life. So yes, indeed. You know, other people encouraging others to do it because it helps a lot, you know. More ways than people could ever, ever imagine. Yes. Yeah, it really does. Holly's a yogi as well. She comes yeah. to my classes and other classes. <laughs> love it well one important question is what are you drinking and you're the wine expert so i would love to hear what you're drinking (laughs) i saw you too so i'm drinking the last of my intention riesling in this particular bottle beautiful so i figure um we just came through um a new moon phase Uh um, yesterday so um setting some intentions so i thought i would add some wine to it um beautiful I just, with my lawyer, my lawyer and I are both tequila uh, people. So um, it just happened to be happy hour at her co-working space, which I didn't know. And she was like, well, yeah, you got four. And I was like, so, you know, now every meeting will be yeah. 2.30 to 3.30 or literally <laughs> 3 to 4. So we back into happy hour. And it was so funny. So, yeah, we had a um, a can of tequila from a local, a, a local maker. And so they don't, they can only do beer and wine, but they carry the canned spirits. Mm-hmm. Okay. So mm-hmm. um, we had a, a Paloma, which was so well balanced. Um, and I like the company. So I was like, this is amazing. So, yeah. So before I came home, I had a little... <laughs> Tequila. And I saw so I thought I'd stay a little light until after yeah. this and I'll hit some mm-hmm. some red up that I just I was in California two weeks ago. So I was like, I'll hit the yeah. red up. That what sounds like a delightful meeting. That's amazing. What so what mean? are you drinking? I have to ask you because I yeah. saw a glass like pass through there. Yeah. So the running joke is that like I, I'm I'm very much a red wine drinker. Usually I stick with Pinot Noir. Um oh. and like you know, we that's our whole thing is that we drink with our guests, right? Um, for a couple episodes, I was like, let me get creative and do a cocktail. And like, you know, I did it a couple of times, but I'm just such a wine default. So I was like, yeah. I will just stick with wine and just do try to do different wines every time. This is not like a creative wine by any means. This is just a Josh Cabernet basic, but but good, you know. Good standard. Good oh, yeah. 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 So I'm drinking Josh. Solid choice. And I am drinking Manifest. (laughs) Yay. This is the, for people listening, the Manifest is the Chardonnay, which this is a moment because I am not a Chardonnay girly, but this one, if I remember correctly, is finished in uh, steel. Any Chardonnay that is fermented in steel, finished in steel, I am all over. So as soon as I heard this was partial steel i bought it and it is delicious thank you because (laughs) i am about why are we drinking stuff where we can't taste the expression of the fruit right um and we want all this super oakiness to just like yeah take over take over (laughs) and so um because i personally that's just my personal i do not drink 
um, okay, Chardonnays. I've tried. I keep yeah. trying and I go to wine tastings and I try it and I'm like, no. So I either am going to drink a Chablis, which is French Chardonnay, which is no oak. But um, I know people like oak. So we did a little oak um, for about two, three months. And then, but we we leave it on the yeast first. So we leave it on the yeast. We stir it up on the yeast. So it gives it that creamier mouthfeel. Mm-hmm. You get a little bit of the, the butteriness from the oak, but that finishing in stainless steel just really to me is like the chef's kiss and it makes it amazing and you get all that expression of the fruit which people are like oh my gosh it's so fruity and it's so like yeah. floral and it has a little citrus and I'm like yeah that's actually what a Chardonnay grape <laughs> <laughs> and okay. people were surprised they're like wow I thought it was yeah it is not oak and butter buttery right <laughs> and I am yeah and and it's odd that, so I call it not your mother's Chardonnay but your dad's uh-huh. Chardonnay Okay. My dad is a Chardonnay drinker and he went through this thing. He was like, oh, you know, spirits are like messing with my stomach. And he's he's a brown drinker. And so he was like, can you make me something that like in two glasses, I'm going to feel the way I felt. So it's 14 percent alcohol. I'd say in two glasses, it's going to get you where you want to go. Drink the whole bottle and don't blame us um, (laughs) for what happens. But it is it really is a truly, um, really, really good um, Chardonnay and one that I just I love and uh, my team loves it. I just happen to have this bottle of intention in my refrigerator and I'm like, oh, it's about to go bad. So that's That's so funny. Yeah. yeah. The whole time I was thinking my mom is like that buttery oak Chardonnay. So it's so funny. You call it not your mother's Chardonnay. So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Cause that's, I mean, but that's generationally what we have yeah. grown up with. Yeah. Um, been giving that for so long that people are like, Oh, that's what Chardonnay is. And I'm like, and I, it just has never set right with me. Mm. Yeah. I try not to be the DJ that plans our own records. Yeah, but there's like a little bit sometimes I'm like, okay, you're going to get this from me. You know, mm-hmm. uh-huh. I don't like even our Riesling. Um, people are like, oh, Riesling is sweet. I was like, no, it's not. I was like, I didn't grow up drinking sweet Riesling. So my, my dad's retired military. I grew up in Europe and I was like, I did not grow up drinking sweet Riesling. Mm-hmm. So it was like an adulthood when I realized, oh, Riesling is sweet. I was like, I drink off dry Riesling my entire life. So I was like, that's what I'm going to recreate for people. And then people are like, oh my gosh, it's so good. So we'll get into more of the wine later, but I did see on your website that you have like a three pack. That's the Riesling, the manifest, and then your dry red. And I assume those were like all for the same person, like the same palette. Yeah, the same palette, but you can also, if you click down, you can get our three sweets and you can kind of mix and match. But um, yeah, so if you like like that dryer, you can get that. So yeah, we have multiple combinations people can do. Yeah. I'm going to hit it up because I like, I always thought I wasn't a white wine person until like, so we live in Austin, Texas and we have a really cool wine country out in Fredericksburg. So if you ever come, let us know. I will. Um, I have a friend. (laughs) So, yes. And I went out there and like, I was, you know, going like a wine tour type situation. And so it was actually trying white wines and stuff. And I'm like, this is good. And it was like kind of that Chardonnay or Riesling that wasn't too sweet, wasn't oaky. And I was like, 
I've never had something like this before. I, maybe I do like white wine. I was like, okay, I can get behind this. So yeah, I'm gonna. I should have ordered wine before before our episode, but I'm gonna go check it out and yes, get on the train. It is a Texas winemaker. She happens to be a black woman, Sherry Wines. Um, okay. Amazing, amazing woman. We just finally met in person when we were in California, but she makes some amazing wines. Um, all Texas grapes, Texas grown. And when I say they are so stellar, like I got to taste them and I was like, you, you now have a fan. And I was like, and now I'm ordering and I will keep this in my like running collection. Like yeah. it was just so she had a Merlot that was so magnificent. I was like, oh, wow. Yeah, I was like stellar. And I was like, I like Merlot. I know everybody's like, oh, sideways did all these things about Merlot. But I like a good Merlot. I'm a, I'm a dry red drinker mostly. Yeah. So, but I will drink my Riesling for my dry white. But I st- typically stay, I live in that dry red. Like you said, Pinot. That's the only thing I haven't made because I know so many exquisite Pinot makers. Yeah. yeah. But I haven't done it. But my mentor told me she was like, you do know there's like five million Chardonnays on the planet. <laughs> Why are you not making a pedo? I was like, because my mentors make it so good. Like, I don't want to mess it up because I've had $80 pedo that's been water. Mm-hmm. And I've yeah. had $15 pedo that I would like buy up everything in the store. So yeah. I, I'm it's my hesitancy, but I have a I have some friends now that are in Portland. So I was like, if I can get my Portland, Oregon people to give me grapes, yeah, yeah, I will go ahead and actually craft. I will do it. I said I will I will make a Pinot. Probably won't come out till next year or year after next, but I said I'll do a Pinot because I, I am a Pinot fan. Like I have some Pinot I've been holding on to for about 10 years. I'll be on the lookout. <laughs> so I know we're supposed to be talking about something. So we're good. Yeah, let's talk about you. So. Interview, I think it's all good. No, no, the, our our interviews are always really conversational. That's the point. Um, but I would just love to hear, you know, your origin story and how you got into wine, how you started your business, all that good stuff. So sip and share wines really out. It goes way, way back. So my family, both sides of my family, my mom and dad are from uh, North Carolina. So growing up, um, I'm from I'm from South New Jersey by the shore. Uh, my dad is from South New Jersey by the shore. My mom's from Harlem. So growing up, I was what I call a um, summer, a, a South summer child. You all, you know, they packed you up. They put you on the bus. I mean, stuff we would not imagine doing now, but they put you on the bus. So they put you on the train with a little um, tag on your, you know, your thing and like whoever's coming to pick you up at the end. So I spent a lot of summers um, in the South. And so my aunts and and family members, they had farms. Mm -hmm. And so um, wild grapes grew and they would go out and grab them. And, you know, the kids, we do all the like work of crushing them all up. And then they would be like, don't touch this. You know, you got a whole bunch of kids running around. You know what we're going to do? We're going to touch it. So (laughs) We're like dipping in and then you find kids like littered around on the lawn and, you know, you know, they know what happened. So I've, I've always had wine in my blood, didn't know it. Um, when I was about eight years old, we moved to Europe. My dad did, like I said, three tours, um, got exposed to wine because um, in Europe you can drink at a young age. Mm-hmm. So I got exposed to wine probably like nine, nine and a half, ten years old drink a lot of good beer, a lot of wine. Uh, we traveled extensively. So my dad had already done one tour 
prior. So we went Italy, we went um, all over, we went to France, um, a lot of Austria. So I got to just drink a lot of good juice and realize like, I really liked um, German Riesling. I really enjoyed um, bubbles. So I am, you know, I tell people I love the Champagne region, but I also, but Italy is like, has my heart because Italy wine is just, it's part of the meal. It's it's not a separate thing. Like in the morning, you're having whatever your croissant or whatever, and you you can have prosecco. I don't drink coffee. I'm a tea drinker, but you can have a little prosecco. Nobody's thinking anything of that. You know, at at lunchtime, you're having something and you're having something to drink. And at dinner, you're absolutely having that red wine. And so, I thought that was normal. And for my friends, it was. And so I come back stateside and I find out um, most of my black and brown friends do not understand why. Yeah. Went to college and I did, you know, you know, broke college student. I did the, you know, the mad dogs and the all the good stuff, the um, yeah, yeah. Boone's Farm and all that. But yeah. I knew yeah. there was like better stuff. But I mean, I could afford what I could afford. Mm hmm. But I kept trying to, you know, explain to my friends, it's like, there's really good stuff we can drink, but, you know, poor college students. So flash forward, I just kind of grow up um, and I'm like, I want to do something with this. And I just became known in my friend set as, you know, the person who knew wine. I do wine parties. I would do, I would take my friends, what I would call around the world with wine. So I would have like 10, 12 wines, invite you to my house, do some food pairings. And I would just take you anywhere from you know, California, all the way to South Africa. And so we did that. And then while I was in grad school, um, one of my friends was a sommelier and he was like, bring a wine you want to discuss. And I was like, what? He was like, bring it and tell us why. So I was like, just a light bulb went off. And I said, are there black winemakers? I Googled it, you know, Beyonce's internet. Cause I don't know who else owns it, but her right now. Yeah. <laughs> and it was like, 30 winemakers. And so I was like, oh, okay. I want to reach out to them. I couldn't get any of my local stores. Started reaching out, started talking to people. Um, and I started out repping winemakers. That's what I did um, initially. Oh, cool. So I repped about six different winemakers, bringing their wines into people's homes, sharing with them. And like, you should buy this wine. It's, it's just magnificent. And then I had a business coach and I always made sangria. So she was like, you make more money selling your sangria at events than you do doing going in people's homes. Figure out how to do it. And I was like, I don't know. So we figured it out. We did the research. And that's kind of how Sip and Share Wines was born. I mean, it was always a thing, you know, from like I say 20. So 2000 and I went to grad school in 2008. So it's been a thing since probably like the 2000s um, where I just was like, we're going to drink, we're going to have fun um, and learn about wine because to me, wine is the beverage of business too. Mm -hmm. So I just want it. Uh, you know, I want it, what I call, what I say, you know, you want to be seen, you want to be heard, you want to belong. And the three categories, those three categories I felt were like black and brown people, also vegans and people in the LGBTQ community. Those are the people that wine didn't really speak to really eloquently. And so I was like, we want to speak to that community. Mm -hmm. I love That's it. kind of our history. <laughs> On your website, it shares a little bit about your story and um, 
I, I am a writer. And so when I saw that your journey with wine sort of took a turn as you were earning your NFA, I, I, I was chuckling with joy because I was like, of course, of course you're doing with wine. Started <laughs> you were getting your NFA. Because I feel like that's the image. Like I know when I was in college, like that was the image I had. I'm like, I'm going to be wearing a beret. I'm going to be sipping wine. And <laughs> <laughs> And right, and writing these beautiful novels. Are you a novelist? What's your What's your genre? Uh, I have written novels. Um, right now, I'm I'm dabbling into screenwriting. That's been my focus the past two years. Uh, but yeah, I definitely thought I was going to graduate and be the next Jackie Collins. Like that was my plan. I just thought that was going to manifest itself. <laughs> so it didn't quite work out that way. But you never know. <laughs> So you're like me. My goal was um, I want to show on Broadway um, okay. and I went to graduate school later in life. Um, mm-hmm. And I was like, I want to have a show on Broadway. Like that's where I'm going. And then the wine kind of took off for me. Yeah. And it was like I had to choose like a path. So I kind of put down the writing. I still write for myself. I'm still working on some things. But yeah. I had to kind of put that down. And then I just kind of steered my creativity and my writing energy into the wine and like, how do we tell these stories and talk about wine um, for people, again, who we center, but, uh, you know, people who we welcome, because I found that wine is this, we our, our model is connecting community with wine. Mm-hmm. And I found out that if I can talk to someone like we're talking, Derek, and you like red and oh, we like Pinot and we're like, okay, you like a Pinot. We've just bridged a gap. And now he might be like, well, hey, I like this band or I like this group or have you seen this? Or like, we like yoga. He's like, yeah. So, you know, I'm a yoga and I'm like, I'm a yogi too. And then you find out all these similarities that when you walk in, I mean, we all have our own, you know, prejudices or whatever, you know, about, but when we walk in and we drink, you know, we get a little wine in us. We're like, oh my gosh, we're really alike more than we're different. And then you figure out, well, oh my gosh, like, okay, we're friends. And then when we see each other at the next wine tasting, I'm like, okay, Holly, what did you think? I mean, I know what you like, you like this and you're like, yeah, I like this. And then we're like, okay, it's over. Hey, we're a little tipsy. You want to go get something to eat? And we're like, yeah. And then we get to build this connection mm-hmm. because all because we drank some wine together and then we leave and we're like, oh, but wow, if we do that, you know, and, and I just really feel like, wine is the wine and food. I also say food in that wine, food and music. Those are the three things. And I think when you, cause you, you can, I I went to see Alicia Keys with my daughter about two weeks ago and it was a a birthday present for me. And she was like, let's go first concert. And she's 23 first concert together in the row in front of us was an older black couple. And then, um, two Caucasian gentlemen who we ended up realizing, you know, we're, um, homosexual, gay. And the one husband though, it was funny because we all teased him. He just sat still. He was like, I'm here. Cause my husband made me come. And you know, he did the head nod. The music was nice, but his husband knew every word, <laughs> every song he was, we were in it. And then the lady next to us was a, a you know, middle-aged black woman. We screamed, we hollered, we had a ball. We teased him about his husband and we made a new friend. And it was so fun. And his husband's just like, this is, nice. this is a good experience. But we're like, dude, 
do you not say Alicia Keys? You, and, but it was, so it was like, again, this unifying moment that we were like, okay, yeah. And we all traveled from somewhere else to see it because we came from Indiana. We went to Kentucky. So I feel like you don't know until you know, and people feel like, oh, I'm scared of insert whatever. But when you really sit down and you meet and you talk to people, especially if you, again, you're drinking wine, you're eating with them, you're talking music. And I say wine and really, let's say wine and in food, because sometimes music can, but you make friends and Mm -hmm. you build these relationships that are to become lifelong. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's That's a really good point. Yeah. It's a really good point that you make. I feel like I was talking with someone recently about, you know, everyone talks about like 2020 when people had these revelations about whatever this or that. And I feel like there's always this conversation happening about like, what really, where does change really come from? And I'll, you know, there is a group that's like change only comes when you go to vote. That's the only way to make change. And I do see that in some sense, but I've always come from the school of thought that change an entry point for change can be a lot of different places for people. And like, sometimes that is a book. Sometimes it's music. Sometimes it's sitting around talking And I feel like what you're saying, like, supports that totally. It is. Voting is the end income or outcome, I guess, of it. But if um, I I, I took some friends to a wine tasting, it happens. Actually, it's just ended. It's every third Thursday. And I invite a lot of friends. And I had saw when I hadn't gone for a while, I saw some friends and they were like, oh, we've got some cases. Um, Do you want to put in? And my friends were like, how are you buying wine with them that you've never tasted? I was like, because we all have the same palate and we've drank together for three years. So if they call me and tell me, you know, $60 and I'm going to get three bottles, I'm putting my money in because (laughs) I know that they, they, they chose stellar bottles just based on how we drink. And they were like... That's crazy. And and it's like, it's an Indian, it's um a Latino, it's an Asian, you know, it's black, it's white. And everybody's like, what? I was like, we have been drinking together for three years. <laughs> if we don't know who we drink. And I was like, I couldn't make it, but they're like, oh my gosh, there's this stellar thing. Like they'll text me, you have to have this bottle. I'm like, I'm in, get the case and I'm in. And so I feel like, you know, we we represent, you know, people who have been overlooked and underrepresented in the wine industry. If you don't go out, if you only go to the same places you go, then you don't know. Mm-hmm. And so you've got to go out and you've got to meet people. And then when you realize that like four people next to you are like, you like that? That's that's really good. They're like, yeah, I like that. Then, you know, you, you made some new friends. And from us, like a wine shop, we regularly frequent. It's like two or three restaurants across the street. So we've gone to one and we've done the corkage fee and we've popped a bottle we just got. We've gone to one and we're like, let's drink something on the menu. So mm-hmm. I tell people drink with people who you typically would never drink with. Mm-hmm. And you'll learn so much. Yeah. That's amazing. I love it. Holly, you had a cool question here about South African wines. I'm curious about that. Yeah, because I mean, you mentioned it, but on the website, you mentioned that I think it was at one of these wine parties where you kind of had a pivotal moment, like you realized you love South African wines. And I was just curious about what it was about that wine that really drew you in and what, you know, what were your thoughts? What, like, what was that moment? 
I had a Pinotage and a Chenin Blanc. Mm. Um, and Chenin Blanc is made in a lot of different regions. Um, the U.S. makes it, French. I think it's originally French. Um, and then, but South Africa took it and put their own spin on it. But Pinotage is a South African blend. So it's Pinot Noir and Senso Grey. Mm. And it's a red and it's just beautiful. And it just has this body to it. And I was like, I could drink this every day for the rest of my life. Like you like that one wine, if you're, you know, yeah. trapped on the island, I could drink this every day <laughs> for the rest of my life. And even, and even the Chenin Blanc, it's a white. And I was like, this would be my go-to white and red. And it just started for me, this love affair with South African wines. Um, I now have um, a friend, um, Tuani, and she has Tuani's wine tastings or Zuri wine tastings. She lives in South Africa now. She's from LA, went over, COVID happened. And she's still there. Um, and so, and I just met two new South African or one South African winemaker, another one from, I think he's from Ghana. And I had some bubbles from South Africa. Amazing. And so I've always just been fascinated by when we talk about old world, um, in my mind, I consider South Africa old world. Mm-hmm. I understand, you know, the apartheid era, South African wines were not allowed to be um, exported from the country but they are old world for me. Mm-hmm. And so I deem them that. And there's so much great juice on that continent that we've never tasted. Just like I tell people, the Italian wine we get or any insert any country into that, that we get over here is nearly not as great as that $5 bottle of wine that you're going to get um, in Italy. That is their table wine that they drink for dinner. Yeah. And we'll never ever get that in the United States. Mm-hmm. Um, we get something that else that they make, but that like that quality juice, and, and that's the other thing I tell people travel. Yeah. Travel, eat, and drink. Um, if you can get off a resort and get you a good tour guide, you know, do some research before you go and go somewhere off of your resort to eat and drink. My, my daughter goes to Mexico a lot. And mm-hmm. I was like, I challenge her. I said, cause we drink tequila in our house. I said, go off the resort and go to a tequila tasting. Oh no, man. And her boyfriend happens to be from Mexico. And I was like, go. And they went and she was like, oh my gosh, this is like, I was like, right. None of this can you get in the United States. She bought me a bottle back and I appreciate her for that. But it was like, again, it was like to understand that we get a fraction, yeah. you know, of, of wine that's imported into this country from other countries. And we're not even like their table wine is far better than the stuff we're buying in stores and we're paying X price for. And so people are always like, where would you go if you went back to Europe? I'm like, I'm going to Italy. I want to go Champagne region because I have a friend who is in uh, France who does um, all her champ- you know, Champagne tours. I was like, I would do that. I was like, but if I was going to spend a month in another country besides South Africa, it would be Italy. Did and you, I'm drinking every day. Did you ever watch that um, Stanley Tucci series on CNN that where he goes to every region of Italy? Did you watch that? I did. And I, first of all, I love Stanley Tucci. Yeah, me too. <laughs> and yeah, when he did that, I was like, I get it. He's Italian. And I'm like, thank you yeah. for showing people that. Mm-hmm. Because people, they don't get it. And I 
just tell people Italy, we, we talk France and we talk French wines. And if you're not going to the Champagne region, just go to Italy, go to, go to the Champagne region, do that, but go to Italy, spend your money and your time in Italy. Yeah. You, you'll, you'll, they'll thank me later. <laughs> yeah. I feel like I learned oh, so much from watching that. Trip. <laughs> that show. It's like a V trip. Oh yeah. And the show. Because he goes to like each episode is a different city or region. And he, some of them, he does talk about wine, but he also just talks about what the region is known for, whether it's a certain dish or cheese or tomatoes. And I will admit, like before I saw that, I was like, I've only just thought of Italy, of like stereotypical yeah. Italy. And then when he was going around to all the different places, it was like, wow, it makes so much more sense now. Mm. Yeah, you got to eat the food. That's why I said it's not just drink the wine, but order the food, mm-hmm. um, you know, have that pasta, um, have that afternoon. I, I don't drink coffee, but espresso is the drink i'm just not a coffee drinker mm. but you know you get that I, i'm a tea so i'm getting my tea i got laughed at a lot Italy, it's okay but it's just it's integrated it's not even like this separate thing it's like you're gonna go you know in the morning a lot of people got espresso i don't i drink prosecco i want i'm gonna have prosecco so i, I didn't get judged too much in the morning i was like i can have my glass of prosecco and i want a pastry and then like I said, afternoon, you're getting, you know, that mid meal. And then people don't realize that a lot of European cultures eat later in the mm-hmm. evening. So, you know, you're getting something at four, four thirty. That's lunch still to them. And then mm-hmm. nine o'clock, you know, because a lot of stuff is alfresco. You're outside, you know, especially in the summer and you're having that evening meal. You're having, you know, a couple glasses of wine is not like that's normal. And buying the bottle, like in this country, we don't buy bottles. In in Europe, you buy the bottle because it's usually two, even if it's two of you, like if, if it's the three of us, we're probably going to do two glasses a piece. So why are we buying glasses, which might be $12 a glass? And the because people don't realize the bottle might be $36, $40. Yes. So if we're drinking it and we're pouring it, okay, maybe we get like a glass and a half. Like we spent $40, but yeah, but $10 a glass, we already bought the bottle. So I think, um, and European culture is very much about that. And then they're like, oh, you want some more? They might just throw some more in anyway, because- you're enjoying it. And they're like, oh, they're like, oh your glasses, like, oh, because, you know, this, the, you know, the American poor is so nice, but European yeah. poor is a for real glass. Yeah. Why? So, yeah. People go to Europe. If you haven't learned anything, go get, I know I just said Europe is supposed to be doing some kind of visa thing, but go get your passport, Um, go overseas, go to Italy, Go to Champagne region and drink really good juice. Yes. Okay, but I digress. I know. I was like, (laughs) I'm on it. I would just love to hear, like, quick and dirty. Yes. You know how wine is made. You know, like, like, because y'all produce your own wine. Like, Mm -hmm. how? What does that process look like? 
So grapes come from grapes and juice. So we do grapes for our reds because you need the skins, juice for our whites, um, all out of Cali. So Lodi region, bring them in. Um, it's already crushed for us because so we don't have to do all that work. So you're putting them in the tank, um, you're fermenting them, you're adding the yeast, you're adding the different chemicals to stabilize it. Um, fermentation is over. Then you need to move it to another tank to clear it. So we use a pump, we pump it over to other tanks. So what makes our wine vegan is we use clay to clear them. Most um, commercial, a lot of big commercial wineries use egg whites, fish bladder, um, port gelatin. So they use a lot of animal byproducts. And then you're just waiting for it to clear. And once it's clear, um, you get to go through and drink a lot of good juice. And typically I'm doing this at 10 10 30, 11 o'clock in the morning. Um, because you want to have that fresh palate. I know people are like, that's crazy, but you want to have a fresh palate. You haven't eaten a lot, you haven't drank a lot. Um, and you've and you've either don't brush your teeth because toothpaste really impacts it. And I do it about 10, 10 30, because that way I've already brushed my teeth and there's time in between. I drink yeah. a lot of water. And then yeah, and then that's really it. And then once you're like, it is the I'm sorry, it is the um flavor profile you desire. Then you're you're bottling it, labeling it, capsuling it, um, and that's that. Yeah, real quick. And you see, I've moved to red. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I noticed that all your wines are vegan, which yeah. I'm a big fan of because, like you mentioned, the different things that you clarify wine with, yes. or if that's the right word for it. And like I kind of discovered, so I'm I have a dairy allergy, and mm. I realized that some wines were making me sick because some wines are also processed with like casein, which is milk protein, right? Yes. And so I was like, oh my God, like I thought the wine was safe. And like the other things that you mentioned that people clarify with, like that's terrifying. Oh, you know? it's like, why? <laughs> and that's why I tell people, you don't have to be vegan, but you expressed it there perfectly because what I found is people would be like, oh, the sulfites in the wine made me sick. I'm like, there are far less sulfites. You can have one of those little mini bags of potato chips. There's more sulfites than that. I said, it's probably something okay. else. Like I don't eat pork. I haven't had pork in probably 40 years. So if I drink a wine, it makes my stomach hurt. I'm pretty sure there, you know, it had, it probably had pork gelatin. So I don't drink it. Um, I give it to someone else who, you know, th their diet is different, but same thing. I have friends who have shellfish allergies and they're like, oh, swine like hurt my stomach. So it's usually not, I tell people it's, unless you have a really, really like you have a sulfite allergy and there are people in the world who do, like you said, it's usually something it's dairy because egg whites um, clear in four hours. Mm. It is the quickest clearing. Okay. So so again, people, people think about wineries are on farms and you see chickens and you don't think, I didn't think about this either. Chickens are running around. I never thought this. And then I was like, oh, well, of course you're harvesting the eggs to you. Yeah. But again, if you have a dairy allergy, then you're like, oh my gosh, there's a milk protein. So I, we made them, not only my family is mostly uh, plant-based, I'm plants and pescatarian at this point in my life, um, but I have been totally vegan. I've been vegetarian. So I tell people it's, it's what works best for your body. And then also 
what people don't realize is vegan wines really help you. There's no hangovers the next day. So go. that hangover thing, if you drink that bottle and also hydrate with water, every drink, every glass, you should have a glass of water. I don't care what you're drinking, whether that's a spirit or wine helps you hydrate, but it also helps you the next day, just be able to get up and go do what you got to do. Like I have to be up at eight 30. I've switched to red, but I'm going to be okay. Cause I also have. There you go. <laughs> that is fascinating. Cause I, you know, I've drank wine for a long time, but didn't realize like the different things that were triggering, you know, my, my allergy issues until actually one of my friends, it was so funny because one of my friends was pregnant and she was breastfeeding and her kid was having issues with dairy. And that's whenever she discovered, you know, the the wine with the dairy thing. And I was like, what? I was like, no wonder. Like, cause like sometimes I'll drink like a glass or two of wine and I'm like sick. And I'm like, I don't understand. Cause my dairy is very severe. So, oh yeah. Yeah. See, I can't cool. do dairy. And that's yeah. another reason why I make vegan wines because I have a horrible lactose intolerant yeah and i again i'm like i just want this beautiful bottle of wine and i'm right yeah and you know my mom my brother you know i'm a business our family is a business of family so my family is all in the business and they're like this doesn't set right like because i'll take wines and now my family just refuses unless i can tell them it's vegan and what i found is red wines were usually safe they were like our safety net. Like if it's red, it's going to be vegan. And my friend sent me this study and she was like, so these wines that we drink that we like, she was like, yeah, they're clearing them and filtering them before they put them in the barrel. And I just literally, I, I laid on the floor and screamed and I had a, <laughs> because I had been buying these wines and drinking them and I couldn't figure out like the next day, well, why don't yeah. I like this? Because yeah. I was like, all red is safe. I think red is because usually it's mostly white wines because they want to get them on the shelf. Right. Like reds are safe, and I love red. And she was like, "I am so sorry to bust your little bubble," yeah. but she was like, "These wines that you're drinking have been." I was like, oh. "So I literally, um, yeah, I gave a lot of wine away during COVID because I had over a hundred and something bottles." And mm. yeah, I had to give a lot of wine away. Like I, I, I have a Coravin, which allows you to drink like a glass and then the cork reseals. And I was like, yeah, this wine makes my stomach hurt. My, my partner is not plant-based. So a lot of times I'll just be like, this one's strictly for you. Yeah. <laughs> like, yes. And he drinks red wine. He's like, yes. And I'm just like, yeah. So I had to go through a lot. Um, I don't drink just my own stuff. I know people think I drink a lot of other people, but yeah. I also, because I know a lot of my winemaker friends, I can ask. And mm-hmm. that's typically what I drink and what I buy. So I know that I'm getting, you know, quality and I'm getting stuff that's been in a tank or in a barrel for 18 months and, you know, they haven't cleared it. So I drink a lot of that. So yeah. how long does it take for the for it to clear using the clay? It could take anywhere from two weeks to two months. It depends on the wine. Okay, and good. also the um, we, we learned this early. We have a cold room now. We didn't have a cold room at first, but temperature. So you need to have a chill room of about 55, 60 degrees. So typically we can clear stuff in about 
a month, less than a month. And then we go in and I, and I taste it and I check it and I'm like, okay, this, this tank can now be bottled, but yeah, it takes a a minimum of two weeks, sometimes up to a month. So yeah. Using something like an egg is really like a quick, quick yeah, they're like four hours. When I learned that I'm like, I get it. And I respect that. (laughs) I do. I respect it. Cause it's like, you know, you've just pumped your tank over four hours the same day you're bottling like yeah. that afternoon, like you do that first half of the day by the mid afternoon, they're bottling. But for us, it's like it, it, it can take a couple of weeks to a month. It just depends. And sometimes if I don't like the taste, I might be like, we're going to blend this wine with this wine, you know, these two things we made. And so it, it's art and science. Like I was a chemistry nerd. I, I fully admit that I did, you know, AP chemistry in high school. I loved organic chemistry. Um, I often say I'm going to find my chemistry teacher to tell her, like, this is what I did with what you taught me. Because um, I, I didn't know I was going to make wine because I, I knew I was going to be a writer from a very young age. Um, but, you know, I, I also tell my old English teachers, like, I did this. I wrote and I, you know, I have several books and I, I you know, I'm stage screen and streaming but hey, I also am making this great wine. So I'm using my chemistry. So I will say I'm one of those few left brain, right brain people. Yeah, I love and that. Then, yeah. Um, I'm really curious, once you decided that you were going to do this, um, what was like your first step? Like what, who are you? I mean, I feel like if I decided tomorrow I was going to make wine, I'd be like, I don't even know where to start. Two things, licensing in your state. You call your alcohol tobacco commission or whatever it's called in your state. Mm-hmm. Ask them about the licensing. Um, the other thing is find people, um, you know, again, on Beyonce's internet that are doing this. I started just going in people's inbox um, because when I started, said I wanted to rep wine, people would not answer me. So I found this wine festival. It was um, called the Black Exclusive Blacklist. It was in Virginia, Richmond, Virginia. I contacted the person. I was like, hey, I'm I'm really trying to talk to a lot of people you have. And she was like, yeah, you know, but I'm telling people I'm paying for the wine. I don't want it free. And so she's like, well, if you get a chance to ever come out to one of our events. And I literally, this was two weeks for her event, Benita Johnson. She's one of my mentors. I booked my ticket, went to the event. And she was like, what? You showed up? I was like, yes. She did intros. She already did intros before I came. And then she did intros. And those people were like, oh, we'll let you rep our wine. So I tell people, find out your licensing. If you want to make it, what is your state licensing? What do you have to do to be a legit winemaker? But before you even jump that far ahead, um, because it could be pricey, like our state requires you have a commercial space. Find out what your home um your home food licensing are. Make some, you know, make some wine at your house because it, it's you know, there's no laws. You can't make wine at home, make some wine at home, go to some of your farmer's markets, let them know this is home-based wine, whatever that labeling you have to put on it and get, you know, find out what people's thoughts are, test it, sample it. And like amass that crowd. Um, And then once you get enough people like this is good. And I would, you know, and they're paying you for it. Then because like I said, most states require you have a commercial space, which now you're renting a space to make it. So know that you have enough people to pay you. If, you're, if your bottle's $15 a bottle and your rent is 
$500, how many $15 bottles do you need to sell to pay that rent? And um, how much do you want to make? So most wine um, in the U.S. is made, it's really, most people make a thousand cases and under. Like that's probably 60% of all wineries. Um, You know, so there's like that, that 1% that make 10,000 and up cases, that's a very small percentage. Most of it's made by small wineries. So get the people who want to buy your wine that are willing to pay your price point because the smaller, the smaller batch you are, the more your price is going to be. So if you're making a $30 bottle of wine, you need people who are going to buy your 500 cases at $30 mm-hmm. and you're, you're, and you're not, and you have to be realistic. You're not going to be in a grocery store. You're not going to be in a wine shop because you just don't make enough. Um, I know two people like, Oh, I want to be in the shelves of Walmart. Well, then you need to be making $10,000. <laughs> I mean, 10,000 bottles or more because Walmart has how many stores in how many States and you need to be giving it to Walmart at, whatever price point they want it for them to sell it. So it it takes knowing a little bit of the behind the scenes industry. I tell people inbox me. I answer my inboxes um, because I did it. And a lot of people inbox, you know, responded to me, inbox me, email me. I'll answer your question. Give me a few weeks. Sometimes give me grace, people. (laughs) Might be traveling, but give me grace and I will get back to you. And I'll, I'll tell you the real, like, this is an industry that takes a lot of money to get into. It is not an overnight get rich quick. We've been in this since we've been over two, 10 years. I've been in the industry. Mm-hmm. Um, we didn't even get into retail or wholesale deals to get in retail stores till 20 early 2021. And so, um, and it's not, you get your wine on the shelves and it's like, yeah, or you get a distributor and it's, yay. I tell people, you still have to move your wine. The distributor yeah. just comes in their warehouse, their warehouse. You are still responsible for marketing it, moving it. You need to be doing tastings at XYZ store. So you yeah. need to have that capacity to do that, to move your product. Yeah, that's huge. That's really interesting. Derek, you made me jealous. I had to go to red. <laughs> He's My enjoying husband. that too much. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's almost gone. <laughs> Show me the bottle. You don't have any more? I do. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, like I was gonna faint. But the bottles out, the bottles out there. I'll get more later. <laughs> no, we okay. still run and get some. Yeah, I was I like, you know, ask a question, Derek, and run and go get it. <laughs> I just happened to have one behind me because I was gonna have to be like, ask me a question. Oh, you guys talk. <laughs> amongst yourselves yes i just happen to have this red behind me that i've been wanting to dive into that's amazing if you had to choose a favorite and i know that's very hard to do Mm -hmm. what is your favorite kind of wine it is definitely going to be a dry red Uh, well i should say no my favorite is going to be champagne um, specifically okay. grower champagne. And so grower champagne is a lot of champagne is made from multiple different um, growers and the grapes are sourced from multiple growers and then they make the champagne and the vintage is like that particular year. But a grower champagne is the 
farmers who make it on one particular estate and they bottle so many and it's very, a very small bottling. So they're probably going to cost you 40 to maybe a hundred dollars a bottle. Mm-hmm. I usually buy between 40, $60 range. And so that, those are, that's actually my favorite. My favorite is a good grower champagne from France that, you know, that the same grapes are used in a, you know, mark your, your favorite champagne, whether it's a Moet, it's a Vouv Clicoque, um, you know, it's a PJ, Pierre, Junet, I think Junet is the right word. I'm probably not pronouncing the second one, but it's your favorite champagne. These are the farmers who grow it. And like I said, they make a limited amount. And so that is probably because I am a bubbles person. And so that's probably my favorite. And then I'm going to go into a dry red. But if I'm the person, if you tell me if I'm drinking the champagne and I've tried it and it's a growers and you tell me it's $65, I have now blown my um, wine budget for the month. (laughs) (laughs) I bought it. I'm drinking it. And I don't share it because Uh unless I'm talking to somebody and they understand it, because I have like, I have levels to what I share with people. Yeah. Yeah. I have growers. I have a a decent champagne. And then I have something that I would be like, you know, um, this other bottle that, you know, (laughs) people buy it's mass marketed and that people think is, oh, this is great. Cause you know, it was like $50 bottles. And I'm like, yeah, the place I buy mine from, yeah, it's $24.99 to $30. Cause he understands it's regular and that's why I buy it. And he knows if I buy that, he's always laughing. He's like, you're going to give that to guests. I'm like, pretty much. And he's like, what do you buy for yourself? I'm like, what do you have in the growers? He's like, oh. and so now I'm going in this, this room that is temperature controlled. So people, if you're not going in the temperature controlled room and you're buying that champagne that's just laying out on the shelf. <laughs> yeah, I feel like I've never had real champagne before. <laughs> I just, my my dad just turned 70 and I just took him um, at Dom Perignon. Uh-huh. I took him, I think a 2000 and 2008, Dom Perignon. Um, my mom turned 70 a couple of years ago and I took her 2006. So um, the place I get mine is usually Mother's Day. So I have to wait till next year to get a really good price. But I'm like, okay, they've done the Dom. I, I got it for good purposes, you know. And so, but a lot of my people were like, oh, I like the other stuff that you have better, you yeah. know, but but it was good that they had it. They could say yeah. they had it, but they like a lot of my growers far better. Yeah. Don Perignon, I'm sorry. I still like you. I still buy you. <laughs> I but have had Don Perignon before. I think we should rationalize bubbles for Tuesdays. Mm-hmm. Like we buy champagne or sparkling wine. It's fine if you buy sparkling wine and we keep it for special occasions. And I think we should normalize it. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. For for every day, you know, you it, Monday, you made it through. Congratulations. Wednesday, you know, it's hump day. Drink yeah. one. Friday, you didn't kill it by your own job. 
I am I am a normalizer of drinking bubbles. So like again, you don't have to drink champagne. There's cava, which is your Spanish bubbles. You can get a sec sure. that's German, prosecco that's Italian. Like buy some bubbles that make you happy and that you like and drink any day of the week. Yeah. I love it. Like my husband and I, we alternate weeks with meal prepping. So like, you know, Sundays will be meal prepping days every other week. And that's usually what I'll do is I'll get like, you know, some little champagne to just enjoy my champagne while I'm cooking on a Sunday. You know, that's, that's a perfect day. See, to me, that is perfectly acceptable. Like I yeah. am um, adult beverages for my family for any events. I don't like to cook. So bless you and your husband. I do not <laughs> like to cook. Um, I can, but I don't like to. So my family knows that I'm bringing, I'm going to bring, for my family, I do Prosecco or Cava because I'm going to usually make them a mimosa. And I've learned, I've taught them now the just the art of just a little color. Yeah. Because my mother was like, I'm buying all this orange juice. I was like, please don't buy orange juice because I don't even really drink orange juice. So I'm like, I need you to get me kiwi, guava, um, pineapple, or um, some other odd juice. And I just do a dash of color. And, you know, of course they're supposed to be cooking the food, but you know, they're with me. And so I'm like, I, cause I'm going to get up with you and, you know, do this food cooking, pro- they're cooking, but I do that. And I just do the little dash of color and everybody's really drinking either Cava or Prosecco. We might do champagne later in the evening, mm-hmm. um, but my mom is not a champagne person. So I've learned to like figure out like, oh, you can do Cava and that. But I say, do that. Children are going back to school. Mine are adults, you know, young adults, but children go back to school, make yourself throw your whatever your bubbles in and throw you just a dash of juice because they're on the bus and they're gone and you didn't. (laughs) (laughs) That's me. I mean, that's me. That's me. Um, I just got a bottle of bubbles from an event I went to in Detroit um, and I cannot wait to try it. Um, It's a brute. I am a brute. Everybody's not a brute. I'm a brute champagne person. It's um, It's got Chardonnay and Pinot Meunier. So I am excited to try this. Um, the guy was like, you know, I was talking and he was like, oh, Bubbles? I'm like, sir, that is my middle name. I, am Bubbles. <laughs> I told him, I was like, and I'll give you like feedback and send you stuff. So he's like, ma'am, take this. So yeah, if anybody out here who wants to have their Bubbles, like I'm a certified wine educator. Send me your bubbles. I'll drink it and I'll give you a review. <laughs> I love commercial because I love bubbles and red wine too. If you if you have a good red wine and you want somebody, Derek did this. This is Derek. <laughs> Y'all saw I had white wine. Derek, Derek made me go to red because he made. It. And I love that you had a stimulus glass. So t- let's talk about let's talk about this glass, Derek. Okay. Oh wow. So bring that up again. Bring that up so I can see it because I feel like it is. Yes. So talk to me about this stimulus. Are you a stimulus kind of person? I am. Yeah. Why? I need to know why. Like, give me some feedback. Really? The why is because my husband and guests are clumsy. (laughs) We have broken way too many wine glasses in this house um, because I like my red wine like red wine should be at 60 degrees right Mm -hmm. we have a wine fridge like or yeah so this one if you notice like it actually has like 
a little like indention in here. I saw that. I was like, I'm jealous and I need to know that name. And so there's, we have like a, I don't know what you call it, but it's like a little brick that goes on the bottom of it that you put in the freezer. I don't have it here right now. Yes. But the, so it's like this cold brick that goes underneath it to keep it chilled. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. Yeah. But I peeped that glass, Holly. So I was like, I'm going to ask. Yeah. You. Cause I'm like, <laughs> so funny with Derek and the stimulus because, you know, Derek comes over and like, I will always ask him, I'm like, what do you want? Cause I am not a stimulus person. Like I want to, I want to follow the directions. So I want to put the wine <laughs> in, in the stem. I don't want my hands to warm it up. Uh, but I noticed that Derek always drinks out of stemless. So I'm yeah. always like, I have these. It's like from Brewmate. They're like what I would call like camping stemless. You know, like they, but they say, and it's so funny because when, when I bought them, it's like a thing that holds, it looks like a wine bottle, but it's, it holds a full bottle of wine and then it, I bought two stemless glasses and they have lids and they are advertised as like that they hold the temperature, but they are for like a picnic, camping, whatever. I bought them during the pandemic. And the first thing my mom, when she saw them, she was like, you don't like stemless glasses. I'm like, I know, but it says they keep the temperature. So anyway, when Derek comes over, I'm like, what do you want to drink out of this stemless thing? Or like these, this is what I have. I love um, that. So it's so funny. These are the um, the Estelle. I bought myself this. I, I was just <laughs> I saw that and I said, Estelle. That's Estelle. It is. I, I have bought, Estelle glasses too. Yeah, I bought the six of the or the four of the. Is that the purple or blue? It's the cobalt blue. Yeah, cobalt blue. Yes. I really went back and forth. Like, do I get the mixed set? But I'm too type A to get the mixed colors. Like, and then I bought other, like, martini is a different color. The coupe is a different color. It is. But, yeah. Estelle, I have had these for three years and they still, I've even dropped them on, like, having too much wine. No, not a scratch. Not a scratch. Okay. Yeah. I have, um, so I'm friends with, um, so Fern holds so if you ever want to go to california yeah so my estelle is black vines it yes. is one of the top wine festivals in the country and it happens in oakland yeah. california so this is 10 years was in 2021 mm -hmm. so i knew that so i have the black one 10 yeah, years yeah you can tell the shape i had been right i had been trying i was gonna buy these and then i was talking to my friend fern who runs it and she was like don't She's like, I'm going to send them for the anniversary. Again, COVID, so we couldn't get together in person. So she sent it. So I kept looking at that. I was like, I think. so I, I love it. And I know I know, like, you know, Estelle, she has her name. It's engraved on the bottom. Um, black owned woman. Yeah. All these wine glasses are exquisite. Yeah. And I do when I'm like just messing with people and I'm doing a wine tasting, I'm, I'm going to like have my flex. I do bring this out. Um, because again, it's black vines, but I said, because they're black, you can't see. So I need to get a lighter color one. Yeah. So people can see, but yeah, I kept looking at it. I said, oh. that's the, the colored thing is my only, I have, I saved back one clear glass because the first time I have a, a taste of something, I want to see the true color. I like mm -hmm. to put it in the light, look at it. That's the only yeah. thing that I have with the color is like, I would like to see the true color, like the first time. 
<laughs> so I, I said that. I said, I'm going to buy four just clear ones for yeah. that. But those will be my um, house, like only certain, you know, people can drink out of those because Derek, I feel you because mm-hmm. I've had so many glasses broken yeah. and I have a fire pit in my backyard. And one year I had an amazing wine party and then I went to like go out and cut my grass. I have about a acre backyard. It's just all in my backyard. And this <laughs> littered all, but I have a fire pit all around my fire pit. They weren't broke, but I was like, oh, this is what the drunk people do. Okay. But I will tell you, here's my secret to, I'm telling you right now, this is my secret to not stressing about stemmed wine glasses. Okay. I go to Goodwill. Yeah. Uh huh. Yeah. I go to Goodwill and I have wine glasses. So people know when they come in my house. So I I'm, I'm a I am a wine glass snob. That's my only snobbery. So this happens to be a Linux wine glass, mm-hmm. but usually I'm a Riedel. Um, but I have a whole section in my china cabinet that's Riedel that everybody knows. Do I have stemless ones that I got? They can take those, but people break those too. So I'm like, you can break the stemless ones, and I'm okay because I I got most of them for free. But my stem ones, only really nice parties, but everything else. And I get read. I also get Riedel from Goodwill. I've gotten this Linux. I literally got from Goodwill. So I get a lot of China. I go, I'm in there like tapping it. (laughs) (laughs) I I was like, oh, if it sounds a certain way, it's like real crystal. And also, if you look at the names, so I spend like I can go spend and buy like 50 glasses and spend like $20. Okay. So I that's that's helped me to like relax and just do stem. Yeah, because I am not like, you know, stimulus, you usually should hold up here. Mm-hmm. Not my jam because I'm yeah. going to be down here, but I love yours and I like that. So I feel like I should invest in those. But Holly, I'm with you. I'm like, I need a good stem. <laughs> and I just need a good, because it's just the beauty of it. Like it, it yeah. enhances it is for me mm-hmm. the experience. And I know a lot of people will do, Rito has 50 million glasses you can invest in people. I like an all purpose. I am really for an all purpose. Like this, this is a white glass. I guess I have red, but it has a big enough bowl in it. Mm-hmm. I must an all-purpose glass person. I'm I'm not gonna tell people go spend. That's the only thing I like to buy. I like that's what I go to the store for. Yeah. I will go to Goodwill and spend my time and my energy buying wine glasses and also beer steins. I could go to beer stein, but I'm with you. Yeah. Derek, when you go over to Holly's house, get a stem glass. <laughs> You're at Holly's house, you know how to behave. Look, <laughs> I know the clumsy one. I love that you, yeah, you and your husband have learned because people break your stuff. Right. You know, instead of canceling everybody and kicking them out your house. Right. You've learned. Just give them stimulus. Was it, uh, uh, was there anything else? We're talking about? I, I know. Been, I'm like, I know, I know. Derek's like, it just went downhill. I'm like, no, Derek, I'm having a good time. No, I'm having a great time. I was I was gonna say we've kept you for a while though. So oh no, this is the funnest podcast I've ever done. 
<laughs> I, was I was going to ask because yes. um, you mentioned at the top of the podcast that you know wine is the drink of business which I feel like that is just that's very interesting I've never heard that but I I definitely think you're right yes. and so I'm curious like what is your like to me when I when I heard you say that the first thing I thought was like going on a business lunch and if somebody is taking you to someplace where there's they have wine and that person is like, what should we order? Like, what are your tips for like, if someone is not, if they don't know what they like, or they are not a big wino or they're intimidated by wine, like, what are your tips for like ordering at a restaurant or, or even going to the store, picking something out? So if you're with your, if you're with a corporate, you're at a restaurant, kind of go with, see with whatever who is leading the meeting or inviting, you know, head the meeting is with. So I tell people a good restaurant is um, Chateau Saint-Michel Riesling. Mm -hmm. It's right there in the middle. It's not too dry. It's not too sweet. That's a good one. And you can drink that glass over the course of that meeting. So that I tell people that's just a good staple because most restaurants I tell people do not have Moscato on their menu, but that's a good like one neck up. Um, so and people do not order a, a cocktail. Do not. You should not be getting anything with Coke. Get a wine. And I can say, even if you don't like that particular wine, you can just sip a little bit of it. But then there's that other side. If you're saying, okay, I'm not in a business setting, but I want to get a wine. Like you said, I want to get something. Um, Again, if you're white and you're new to it, I would still say a good semi-sweet Riesling. Mm -hmm. Um, but ask the sommelier or ask the bartender. And I would just tell people to try to stay away from reds. Mm -hmm. Um, Unless you are a red drinker, Mm -hmm. stay on the white side and get something like a Viognier, which is very fruity, Mm -hmm. floral. But most restaurants carry Chateau Mm Saint-Michel Riesling. Like that's a staple in restaurants. Get that. Even if you don't like it, just do this little carry it around with you, just have that to the events. And I tell people that's usually your staple for an event. But it, once you elevate, then you could always be like, okay, I want something, a lighter red, a Beaujolais. Mm-hmm. But I'm also a firm believer, people don't order anything they can't pronounce. So I believe sure. that Chardonnay is the number one white wine, even though it's French, People can pronounce Chardonnay. Mm-hmm. Um, people don't, a lot of people don't drink Pinot Noir because they don't know. It's like Pinot. Mm-hmm. People, Cabernet Sauvignon, nope. Uh, <laughs> Sauvignon Blanc, nope. You can't yeah. pronounce it. So people drink Cabernet Sauvignon, people have heard it, or they can say Cab Sauf, or yeah. I want a cat. Mm-hmm. So people drink what they can also pronounce because no one wants to go in a place and feel dumb. Yeah. And that's why I feel like a lot of wines are really, I just talked to somebody today and, and I'm a winemaker, somebody I was talking to that I do business with. And she said, I have this Riesling. <laughs> I said, um, it's called Riesling. It's <laughs> E before I. 
Um, it's a Riesling. She was like, oh, this is really good. And I'm like, oh, great. You, I'm glad you like it. You expanded your palate. But and so I try not to. But again, that's like my thing. It's like, but we don't know. So we won't order what we don't know. We're going to order Chardonnay. There you go. Yeah, I never really thought about that. People. As, as you said, Holly, that's the basic baby one. <laughs> I mean, it depends on who's made. I should say, but we're going to order it because we know it. But I would rather have my Chardonnay blended with some other varietals. Yeah. I'm a GSM person, which is Grenache, People's Syrah, and Morvedra. Yeah. Or a good Pinot. Mm-hmm. Because especially from a brand I know, I just talked to people in Oregon and they were like, oh, yeah. And I'm like, let me tell you, Argyle makes a stellar bubbles because Oregon's sediment and all that is similar to France. So I will buy that for $24.99. Now, that is a non-champagne. I'm going to buy that for $24.99. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. Well, we got to wrap it up at some point. <laughs> we could keep going. This has been so I know, much this fun. was amazing. <laughs> I, I, I have had so much fun and I so appreciate the opportunity to just. Oh my God. Drink yeah. the juice and chat. Yeah. The pleasure is all ours. I mean, we appreciate you taking the time because you're busy out there being a, a wine businesswoman. So we appreciate you taking the time with us. So, where can people find you? So we are um, primarily live on Instagram, Sip and Share Wines, um, but you can also find us on Facebook, Sip and Share Wines. Um, and then we're at sipandsharewines.com is our website. And we, as you mentioned, regularly run specials. Um, so you have to get us online. Um, and if you come to Indianapolis, um, look us up because you can come by and sip with us. Nice. And you ship everywhere in the States, I'm sure, right? We ship everywhere, but Utah, Rhode Island, Mississippi, and Delaware, four states that don't allow. Mm -hmm. But other than that, we ship to you. um, And we've got some fun stuff coming up yet for Q4. We've got some holiday stuff coming up. So um, I say follow us around. Get on our um, newsletter. If you join our newsletter list, we do have... We offer you like a little coupon off some yeah. wine and we'll be order, we'll be offering some new wines coming for Q4. Sweet. Well, I'll get on up. <laughs> oh my Thank God. you. It has been my absolute pleasure. Yes. We should do this again. We should do this again. I mean, we, we obviously can talk wine a lot. I, so. <laughs> I feel like if if um you I'm gonna reach out to you and if you send me your address, I send you some more wine. You might invite me back. Yeah, yeah. you know where to find us. Oh my gosh! Thank you so much, Nicole. Go drink some more red wine and some water. <laughs> we go together. I'm gonna drink some more of my. Yes. Me too. I'll go get a refill. <laughs> I love that. Right. Go get your refill. And don't forget to follow Yoga for All Humans and go to Etsy and it's Bitter Lemon Digital. Yeah. Yep. And sip and share. Follow them and buy some of their stuff. And if you're not drinking great wine and being in community with great people, I don't know what your life is about. Mm-hmm. Missing out. You're missing out.
Thank you so much for taking the time to listen. Holly, where can people find you? They can find me on Instagram and Twitter at OrangeJulias7, also on thebitterlemon.com and on Etsy, Bitter Lemon Digital. And Derek, where can people find you? So I am on Instagram with my personal account at Yoga with Derek, and that's D-E-R-E-K, spelled the correct way. And on Instagram for Yoga for All Humans, it is at Yoga for All Humans on Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok. Um, don't judge my TikTok game. I'm still learning. On LinkedIn, you can sync up with me, Derek Hagler, on there. And Yoga for All Humans has its own LinkedIn account as well. And of course, yogaforallhumans.com is the studio's website. Small Business Happy Hour has its own Instagram account at Small Business Happy Hour. Or you can email us at smallbusinesshappyhour at gmail.com. Cheers. Cheers. See you next Tuesday. Tuesday.